Good, Gillespie. Let's go. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Good. I'm recording. We are live. Welcome to the show, mate. How's your week been? Talk to me. Ah, uh, what day is it? When? <laughs> That's such a good way of starting. Well, that's how I start most mornings. I try and figure out whether it's the weekend. Um, it's been all right. Uh, had a very good weekend on the punt, so that always freshens up more Monday. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about that. I'm the world's worst gambler. You appear to be the world's best gambler. Every, not that any of us gamble, but every time I, I, I I'm not a gambler. Right? Every time someone throws something, I very occasionally will jump on it. Very occasionally. Because I, I, I like to spend my money on things that go in my mouth, yeah. not, not on things that may or may not happen. That's the way I've always been. Every time I, I on the weekend, I've, I've gone on two things that you posted. It hasn't worked. Everything else worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to stick the course. If you look, if you'd put 10 bucks on everything, you would have ended up far ahead. That's, that's the system. I've got to say myself. I've got so much to learn from you. I'm just opening up. We, we put up online some questions and we did actually get some questions. Yeah. Okay. William Munro, shout out to the great man. He wants to know about Mad Monday benders. I've got nothing to say about Mad Monday benders. I don't know what I'm supposed to say without incriminating several people. Well, we can sort of dance around it a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the Aussie Barbars tour, talking about one of the great benders. Yeah, well, that was, that was a, I suppose, selection of the best unsigned players in the country at the time. Um, but it was, a, it was also a Mad Monday tour in itself. We drank from when we got on the plane to when we got home in Sydney and we won two games. So it was, it was amazing. What were your best memories from that trip? It's hard. It's hard to say. I don't remember training at all. Um, I'm sure we did. <laughs> we did, but yeah. Sort of, sort of <laughs> hanging out in Palmerston North on a Tuesday night, notoriously sort of average city. Shout out to Palmerston North's listeners. Just sitting in pubs drinking. Um, it was very fun. You know, we got to hang out with guys you, you weren't usually in their team. So. Got to meet a lot of guys, and uh, yeah, it was just it was just the the tour from heaven, basically. I, I remember one. Um, I've got a few distinct memories, and number one, it was getting kicked out of a supermarket. Oh yeah, for being too drunk at about eleven thirty in the morning. Mm. So that there's two rooming with a current all black prop when he was very young and yeah. a lo- lovely human being, and he's he's. He's absolutely killing it. But every morning, him just waking up and seeing me the other side of the room, <laughs> it just absolutely, you know, in the nicest possible way, being disgusted by me. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that. Then there was chasing sheep around fields in New Zealand. Oh, yeah. Yep. Great yep. fun. And yep. then, then it was... We, we were rooming in this, well, we were staying in the same place as the Heartland team. And they're obviously re- representing New Zealand. We're representing Australia. And, you know, representing New Zealand is a big deal, no matter what level you're playing at. So they were training very hard. 
we would train the minimum amount and then immediately start drinking red wine at 11 o'clock in the morning and would usually follow that on through the rest of the day. Yeah. So I just remember them looking over at us incredibly. They were terrible. really bad. They had the shits and like, but they were taking it very seriously in the in a way that only a punter could because like they would finish training and they'd be like these stupid Australians and they'd go and have a dart. That's right. Like, uh, like hiding from their coaches. <laughs> exactly. So, look, they were look, they were very bad at football. That was the that was probably the problem they had in their camp. Um, if they had been better, they might have. We might have had a game. My other great memory from that is I was injured for the second game. I was actually injured for the first game as well, but I wanted to play that game. The second game, we've gone down the pierce the night before. Huge night, which I'll never, ever discuss in public ever because <laughs> it would ruin a lot of people's lives. But uh, it, that night was like a movie in my mind. The next morning, I've woken up for the team manager, who is now a big wig at World Rugby, uh, who, who had to set his alarm to make sure I made it home every morning. He goes, Chubby, we've got to wake up, mate. Hands me some hydrolite while I'm still in bed and starts, starts asking questions about the night before. On the day of the second test. <laughs> yeah, I always feared we had, and this is the last thing I was, this is gone on a tangent from Mr. Monroe's question, but there was a young hooker on that tour who played five or six games of super rugby. And yeah. we really we really took him under our wing for his 21st birthday. And I wonder that we completely ruined his career. Um, and um. I'm still with that. <laughs> with that now. But this, the, there's about five minutes to go in the second game. We are flogging them. And the message from uh, Brad, who has won an Olympic gold medal coaching Fiji and Sevens, um, goes onto the sideline and he's like, Barlow, ask Chubby if he wants to play 10 or wing. <laughs> I remember you played wing. <laughs> and I was, I was so hungover that I decided that I didn't want to touch the ball. So it put me on the wing. And I played I played five minutes on the wing for an Australian representative team. You've got to touch, though. You've got to touch. I, actually remember. <laughs> um, I suppose to, to circle off uh, Will's question, <laughs> Mad Mondays are always – they're fun. Or they're very fun, and then they just get very messy. They get very, very messy. Um, there's been I've been a part of some great ones. I got to say, my Melbourne Rebels one was a real eye opener. Um, obviously, <laughs> I, I, I hadn't um, hadn't partied on the professional level yet. I'd been an amateur partier, and once I got <laughs> up to that second rank of partying, um, some things were really brought to my attention that I was I had not seen on my, on this earth before. And uh, after that there, week, there, everything changed. There are levels to the game and the professionals just take it to a whole new level. Um, you and I are, are mutually friends with some uh, some world-class performers in that area. We, we don't have to name them. Uh, but, mate, I've seen some things on Mad Mondays. What's, what's your thoughts on it as a coach? Are you going to go to Mad Monday next year? No. I'm going to go. Yeah. I, I think, look, I, unless, you, unless you probably win the premiership, um, yeah. And then, you know, you meet up for a beer. But I think the players can have Mad Monday for themselves. They put in a massive year, go and have fun somewhere um, somewhere secure, uh, yeah. go have fun, uh, put your phones in a bucket, as we've seen recently, and then 
you know, <laughs> I, I will, I'll meet you at the pub afterwards for a bit, you know. But, yeah, yeah it's for the players, I think. No, I agree. I Again, if you win a premiership, I think it's like probably a little more acceptable and definitely nothing wrong with having a beer, but you, you can't do the whole, you know, you and I have both seen what happens on those things and it's probably poor form for a coach to be there, I'd imagine. Yeah, you want to be you want to be able to deny things later. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the, the close your eyes and just don't pretend like you don't know what's going on. Um, question from Just Jed One Two, the second best Jed. Yeah. Um, he wants to know about Osbest Argentina and the rarest humans you both have played with who are not named Hugh Roach. Osbest, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, we got. I mean, we should probably address. We are a rugby podcast. Um, Australia were very good. Again, uh, they played really good football. Um, I, Quade Cooper was very understated, which is clever. As yeah. in, I went back and watched it again. And I still, you don't hear his name a lot. Um, he's just handing the ball off to his running back, who's Simon Crevy again. Best in the world. He lost the plot. He is out of control. Lord. Um, our set piece functioned really well. Uh, Argentina are, and I've been trying, I've, I've been chubby, you know, I'm a negative sort of character. I've been trying to be positive about them. They are the stinkiest team to watch. I hate them. They, after having a shot at 24-3 against the All Black. Crazy. They, they have no concept of attack. They just don't know what to do. And they're so niggly. And, but if you sort of push them wrong, they'll grab their eyes and, oh, I wanted to jump through the screen. Um, so they gave me shits to be honest, but I was glad they got pummeled. Um, they're gonna have to figure out how to attack if they want to actually play football at some stage, or they were gonna free be forever in that sort of eighth, ninth, tenth in the best in the world that you just can't get up without scoring points. I, I feel the same. I've you know, a few days since I watched the game, but my my memories of it are is I think we played well, but we can play better. Yeah. Um, so we've got room for growth, but that's the first time in four years we've won three in a row. Yeah. Um, and, you know, two games against the Springboks, one, one game against Argentina. It's, it's not a bad three games in a row. And I feel like if they can, if they can win this weekend and then take that on to the spring tour, then, then we've started to have some momentum. And as, yeah. as you know, mate, winning, uh, winning is a habit. And it is a habit. You learn to win. Yeah, you do. I, and I think they're learning to win, which is the most exciting thing. And they've got room to grow, which is exciting as well. Um, just on that, before, because we, we, I do have a couple more questions, but you, look me in the eyes, Dave Rennie, and tell me you don't listen to this fucking podcast because he is bringing back Will Skelton, Rory Arnold, and Tolu. Which, which is, you know, they're, they're the three additions we've talked about. And... You know, Tolu Latu, world-class scrummager. Uh, and on his day when he is fit, he's a world-class rugby-playing hooker as well. And I think even if he's not starting, having him in the mix would just bring the most out of everyone else around him. Uh, Will Skelton and Rory Arnold. Oh, mate, you, you put those two in the second row, that's exciting. Was it was it Rory Arnold or Adam Coleman? Oh, sorry. Uh, Rory Arnold. Rory Arnold. I went but back. Mate, Adam Coleman as well. Bring him back into the mix. I went- I was watching London, London Irish last night. And fucking Adam Coleman, man! Like he used to play for Parramatta. For those yeah. who don't know, and he was, he was I, from the second row, almost a one-man team, which is phenomenal to do. He is six eight. I was watching him last night. He's 
anyway, the point is we get some we get some world class second rowers back to add to our guys who are going okay. Uh, Tolu, uh, he, who I've always been a fan of, he's a nice he's a nice fella, and he's very he's hard as nails. You run him down with a car, he's not going to feel it. Um, you've got a team assembly now. I guarantee, I bet my bottom dollar, Curly Bill ends up on that tour somehow. Definitely. Um, you see, Ad, the BPA's gone to France. I, I would still pick him, whether he's on the bench or starting. Probably on the bench if you're going to have Tolu. Yes, so would uh, I. That's a pretty good one-two punch. Then you've got um, James Slipper's really de- – uh, well, not really developing. James Slipper's a, a great loose head prop. Angus Belser has a way to go. I think by the next World Cup, he's going to obviously be a lot better. Tight end prop, Taniela Tupo and Alan Alatoa. You get some world-class second rowers in the mix, a fullback in the mix, James James O'Connor's back in the mix. She's, it's getting exciting a little bit. A completely different thing. And honestly, I've had it, I'll, I'll, I'll put it out. I've got all the guys who we have overseas. Um, it's not, there's not a huge difference between like a sixth best team in the world and a fourth. But to be honest, it's guys who you can't make overnight. It's second rowers who are six, eight and tough. It's hookers who are reliable and experienced. Like you can't, you can't just make them from dust. So we have them, but unfortunately they're making mass euro instead of minimum wage in Australia. So um, if we pick them up on this spring tour, we got a giant. We'll have a giant pack, and I think we'll kick the crap out of people um, if those guys are picked up and fit. I couldn't agree more. And even look at the depth we have in the back row. The, they're saying Harry Wilson isn't going to tour because he needs a preseason. Who knows if that's genuine or not? Um, I don't know. He's been injured the last couple of weeks, which is why he hasn't been picked. Yeah. Then okay. you got you got Hooper, um, Fraser McRide, uh, Sean McMahon's back in the mix. Um, obviously, Lockie Swin didn't get picked on the weekend, but I, I think he's. Yeah, He's still there. Valentini's still there. You know they've got they've got the mate they've got some really good guys. It was good to see. Like I I personally enjoyed seeing Rob Liotta get a cap. Um, I've sort of had some some dealings with him. I know he broke his leg really badly against us the other year. You know he's worked really hard for Victoria. So yeah, we've got we've got a shitload of players. I think you know if we're thinnest, we're probably thin at loose head and yeah. you know mate probably fullback. Um, yeah. But you know depending on where you shuffle people. Uh, you know, you might end up. You can you end up with a with a good team. We, we could trouble that spring tour if Randy picks it right. Mm. He could he could do that tour. He could win that tour. He could do it undefeated. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> that would be very one one thing I dislike about Australian rugby is we have a little bit of success and then we start talking ourselves up too much. And we've been very guilty of that over the last fucking ten years, really. Um, but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pessimist, Chubby, and I. You, you are, you are. So pessimist. you say that. Yeah, you know. I'm just like looking at it realistically. Like you go, you get into a shootout with those English, like with an English or Welsh side. Like they're, they're not going to run up fifty points on you, like the All Blacks. You know, the yeah. worst they can do is twenty nil a penalty goal. So, you know, we get into those games. They're not impossible to win. Um, um man, I agree. Who is the rarest human you've ever played with? I don't know. I don't mean rare. Is rare? Rare is not bad, and bad necessarily, is it? No. Do you remember Different. on that? Since we're on that tour, Jack Pennington, who is a great bloke, great, great man, bloke, one of a very very nice bloke. Um, he didn't drink, 
So he's looking at us, like not 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 drinking like a you are all evil way, but he's just look he just lifted weights. So every yeah. time we drank a beer, he did a curl, and he is was so jacked um, and continued to be jacked during that tour, and must was looking at us like, oh, good lord, your body fat percentages are incredible, um, and he's now he's even more jacked than he was, but that was. For that tour, that was a that was particularly um, strong-minded. So he was a little bit rare on that one. I was. I'm going to pick someone from that tour as well and say Nicholas Dixie Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic human being. He used to do every training session. I think we did like two training sessions in every game. He would do like a lap of the field or something as a warm-up, and we're all hung over out of our minds before the the second game. And he's like. For him, he's playing for the Wallabies and, and he's just really annoyed at the lack of intensity and effort. Can you remember that? I can remember it so clearly. Yes. And then the, first, the first night in Wellington, we had, um, so I was rooming with Sticks that night and we had a belter. Like my last memory of the night is, who's the, who's the winger that used to play for Penrith and then played for Eastwood for a little bit? Jerome McKenzie. Yes, Jerome McKenzie. Uh, and Cam Orr. So there's me and Cam Orr out, just about to get into a, a cab. And we're like, Jerome, come back, brother, come back. And he just turned around at like five in the morning and just sprinted off into the Wellington night. <laughs> we're like, okay, okay. Got back, sticks his sound asleep. I've like fallen over in the shower. He's like just absolutely appalled by me. Slept for 20 minutes, got on the bus to Wellington the next day. But um, I, I don't think his opinion of me has changed since then. <laughs> yeah, I look like that we were all on different we were all on different journeys. Um, and he was he was not on the same journey we were on. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably yeah. But Peno Peno just being the most jacked man alive and not drinking was incredible. Still came out though and was very fun. Um, yeah, he was a great bloke, and I like how he supersetted his rugby career into a professional bodybuilding career. I think yeah. it's a. I, I've done the same, and it's quite. It works quite well. Um, me and Penno are both going well with that. So thank you, Chubb. <laughs> um, I have one from uh, Ed Craig, uh, who's some punter apparently. Um, <laughs> basically, Ed's saying you guys are experienced with the NRC. Now the RA is starting from a clean slate. I don't know if they are, but would you bring back the NRC? No. Absolutely not. I would also not. That ends that segment, Ed. <laughs> no, look, it's the problem with the NRCs. I was thinking about it earlier. Um, it went from its most pure form in sort of 2014 where the coaches um, were genuinely scouring, trying to find players for their side. I remember my side and it was filled with obscure players, but good footballers like Steve Murphy and people from Tong- like Tongan Nine and like they were very good players. Um, and then it went to probably its most unpure form in its last year, whatever that was, 2019, where New South Wales rugby were just picking the sides. So they chucked their 20s in there. They chucked their whoever was in their academy in there. Then they chuck a few club guys in there. Like So basically, um, on top of that, you had everyone from club football who wasn't a chance of playing super rugby electing not to play because that first year contracts were up to a 15 grand. Um, no, it wasn't that much. They were, they were, it was a little bit, it was a little bit more than sort of the one grand that they were paying by 2000 oh, 1500 1500 I think it was like up to three grand or something 
Yeah. And then it got less and less. It got less and less. And effectively, you began to hemorrhage money. Like, so look, and you know, until if, unless, no, the answer is no. <laughs> you were not. I'll, I'll tell you my, my take on it. So um, we played each other in the Shoot Shield Grand Final. Was it 2014 or 2015? I think yeah. it was 2014. Yeah. Um, you know, apart from the result, uh, wonderful experience and a great day. And then the following week, it's basically the same teams playing Rams versus New South Wales country at Coogee Oval. So we've gone from maybe 10, 15,000 people at the Shoot Shield Grand Final to, I'm not even exaggerating here, maybe 20 people, um, not, not including families at Coogee Bay. And it was, you know, it was, I, I, the, the whole purpose of the NRC was to create revenue for the ARU. It wasn't to develop players. And I feel like people could see that. And once, once the first year, everyone was a bit excited about it. And the, the salary cap went from, I think it was three or five grand or whatever. Some guys were getting paid more yeah. to 1500 the following year. Or I think, sorry, it was 400 bucks the following year because I went to the, I went to Melbourne on the promise that I might get a contract. And I remember getting the $400 payment and just being like, holy shit, I'm going to pump. And that was for a 12 week professional competition yeah and and if you really look at it all the contracts were already signed and there was you know a couple of people might have got something out of it i think um marika might have been discovered through the nrc i'm pretty sure yeah um, but I, I just feel like they didn't put any effort into promoting it the players didn't buy into it um if you compare our national club um you know the national rugby championships here to new zealand uh, I was getting paid 400 bucks for a 12-week fully professional thing, whereas in New Zealand, the minimum payment is about $21,000. Yeah. Plus I mean, accommodation. The, the, thing, the thing you touched on there is uh, at the time, I would have played in that comp for 400 bucks. I'm happy to play in that comp. Um, but like anything, if, you, if the club, if the franchises saw something they liked in the shoot shield, they didn't wait till the end of September to sign them typically. You know, the yeah. guys were signed up by the end of shoot shield. And then you're playing in an NRC comp where I was, where I sort of was, I'm going to play my best football. You know, I might, I've might, I got a preseason out of it, but I was, you know, the guys were already signed, had the shit. Um, so like, there was no real room for talent development either. So unfortunately it was a cool idea, but as Chubby said, no one followed the teams. The players were paid poorly. And, but as the years went on, it really, 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 really dropped off until a point where it was just like, there's a random game of sort of possibles, probables, fucking Waratahs versus whoever's not playing for the Reds at the moment on TV. That's what what's what we ended up with. Um, so yeah, it was but it was look, it was it, there were some fun moments for guys who played. Um, and I suppose it gave us something else to play during our time, which you know I like getting around there and playing some footy. So that was cool. I played against some. <laughs> The thing that I got the most out of it is, is I got to meet guys from other clubs in Sydney who I probably wouldn't have associated with otherwise. Mm. And, um, you know, now now any time I go to a ground in Sydney, um, even though a lot of the guys aren't playing anymore, you've still got mates. And, and you know, to this day, that's the best thing about rugby. How, how I would do the next level competition, I've been thinking about this a lot, is I would go to a national club competition and I think that's the way they want to go anyway. But the concern is, is that the Waratahs players or the, the contracted players whose clubs don't make it through um, will miss out on it. So 
I, I think if you go top four Brisbane, top four Sydney, Canberra, Perth, Melbourne, and just have a national club competition, and then you do a draft, so all the contracted players who aren't, uh, whose clubs don't make it, you just distribute them evenly amongst the the clubs, however they work that out, so that it's not just Sydney Uni. That's having- the hardest part. That's the hardest yeah. part. I think that the other other concept is not an issue, bar funding. I also think Sydney, and I call me out if you're a Queenslander and you think wrong. I think the winner of the shoot shield would kick the living shit out of the other winners. I'm sorry, but that's just. I, I agree with you. I, I watch rugby I watch all day. All I watch all of it. Yeah, and and anyone, I watch rugby all day every day, and I've just done some highlights with guys in Brisbane, and I think the standard has improved, but it does not compare to the shoot shield. Um, Absolutely. While we're on the shoot shield, just the last one I've got, um, uh, West Harbour's rebuild, uh, looking like they're trying to uh, sort of turn things around at the Pirate ship. Joe Barricat's back. Um, a great uh, mentor of mine, Stephen James, is doing attack there. So sort of what are your thoughts on that? What, what do you, how do you think the Pirates will go in 2022? Um They've been very aggressive in recruitment, and I think they had to be, to be fair, because with the participation agreement coming in, if you don't have the the agreed amount of teams, you're gone. Um, I've I've only had a few dealings with Joe. He's a very experienced coach. Uh, I'm sure he's going to add a lot to them. And, mate, I I think you need a strong West. I, I still... You know, the, the the two busiest recruiting teams, as far as I can see on social media anyway, is, is Parramatta and West Harbour. And, what's that smoke for? <laughs> well, Parramatta are bloody announcing every time they open an envelope at the moment. I get a notification from Parramatta. It, it's, mate, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. My understanding is there's still some stuff being negotiated around the, the salary cap or the points. I don't really know what's going on. You might have more of an insight there. But but I think, I think, man, it's going to be so interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, look, I don't, I, I think that they've certainly got... Geez, I danced around that question nicely, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you really tiptoed <laughs> around the outside of it. I'll, I'll just answer it. The, uh, they've got a... They've got a far, far more educated coaching staff than they had last two, three years, undoubtedly. Um, you know, I've been, we've both sort of been coached by Joe. You've probably been coached by him a bit more. He's been, you know, sort of everywhere. Uh, I've spent a lot of time with Steve James. He's a, he's a genius. Um, so they'll be, I think, a very well-drilled team this year, um, as opposed to previous years when they haven't been. Uh, I don't think they'll make the six or the eight whatever it is this year, I think they'll probably, if it's an eight, I think they might be in that sort of ninth to 10th zone. So I think it'll be an improved year, but it's got to be realistic. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Look yeah. at you. That's a very journalistic answer, mate. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I turn it on and off, and I don't know if the, those listening, it, Chubby's got me up at 5.30 a.m. this morning, so I'm a little bit delirious. Mate, I slept until 6.30 this morning. I feel like shit. <laughs> well, I got up at 9.30, and I am... Currently feeling those effects at eleven. Now, did you have uh, anyone else send you any more questions through? Um, those were the, those were the two main ones. On you know, I think the NIC we uh, gave quite a generous answer to because anyone who played in it, I know Holloway would be out there. Not Jed Holloway, that is everyone. Go for one of the the greatest greater Western Sydney Ram of all time, and you you've got to be in the top one hundred there, surely, <laughs> mate. I'm, well, actually, Rochi has sent us a question. 
Um, not a question, but a word he wrote gambling. Yeah, That's he said that to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, good on him. Um, someone, Charlie Cale asked about the NRL awards. Um, I assume you're across that. I didn't even pay attention to what's going on there. In what respect did he ask about them, how they're run? All he said was the NRL awards. Well, look, Charlie, you are not the smartest man. And uh, I think maybe <laughs> we put the phone away after eight o'clock and a few daiquiris. What do you reckon? <laughs> no, uh, daiquiris sound good. Look, just Charlie, look. while I've got you, we spoke last week on, uh, just after the podcast. I don't want to say we're still at war with the postage system. But oh. we might we might still be at war with the postage system. Confirm or not. Mate, online shopping is a fucking disgrace at the moment. I, I've, you know, I do two podcasts a week. I've been encouraged to start taking it seriously. Um, one of my very bad habits is I don't necessarily go all in on everything. I'm gonna go all in on this. I spend the money and I've got a good microphone, good audio stuff. I, oh, fuck, I need to get headphones. So I've ordered a set of headphones. And the, I think they're based at like Kingsgrove or something. And it's taken nearly 15 days to get here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know you had some issues. You've been having some issues. I'm going to, I'm having, we're having more issues. You know what? And it's spreading to a family issue. And I will back my family with this. My dad is a bit of a gym junkie. He got the good, he didn't pass on the good genetics. He passed on the baldness and the fucking, anyway. Um, so he he ordered two 25 kilo dumbbells from Rebel. Rebel Sport send dumbbells separately. So I one dumbbell arrived a month ago, and I thought went to move it on the front porch. Almost broke my foot. It's a dumbbell. Uh, we're roommates as well. And he the second dumbbell is yet to arrive. So they've got two dumbbells. They've packaged them up and they've gone right. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to put this one. We're going to send to West Ride. We're going to send this one to fucking Siberia, and hopefully that works out. So we're still one dumbbell short, Australia Post and Rebel Sport. And I'm you know what they do? Both. And, and they make it impossible to call them as well. No, you can't, call, yeah, you can't call them. You can't call them. You, you, so you go, oh, I've just lost it. I give up because it's easier. I went down to, um, to basically set the post office on fire, and she's like, well, you, why don't you call this number? And you call the number, and they go, we are too busy at the moment. Please hang up. And I wouldn't, well, I don't want to hang up. Can I do something else? And that, you know, you hit nine and it takes you somewhere else and then they hang up on you. So, yes, I'm still at war with Australia Post. Can, can I ask you, have you been getting a record number of calls from, this is the Australian taxation office. Yeah, yeah. yeah or this is Visa. Your card has been corrupted. I've, and texts saying delivery? Is that the thing? Yeah. What's, what's going on? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's all the dodgy websites you've been going on. Bill Gates. <laughs> I shout out Bill Gates last week. I got it wrong. It was there. I meant to be the Apple founder. All the nerds picked me out on that. Um, but this is Bill Gates's fault. I get I get like thirty a day saying your parcel's ready and you click on it and it's not ready. Oh, chubby! It's such a difficult time to be alive, isn't it? I've I've oh, we got some good feedback on the the segment we did on agents last week. Have you had anyone get back to you on that? Yeah, I did. I think um, it's interesting because. The guys who I did speak to are the guys who've suffered at the hands of the ones who we described as the poorer ones, the bin chickens, I believe is the word you used. Um, Those guys are in big strife at the moment. The shoot shield, again, clamping down on it. 
Uh, I know New South Wales are pretty much super franchises don't want to deal with them. Um, so there's a, there's a bit of a thing there at the moment. But, uh, you know, sort of, I feel like you could sort of tell what was going on by sort of how people reacted to that one. Because um, I definitely didn't deny, we don't deny that agents are important at time. You've got to know it's, it's time to go. Like if they go, we've got a spot, just do it. But, you know, the got people who were like offended or this or that, you could sort of, well, you know, maybe you know what side of the fence they're sitting on. Did you get anyone coming back to you who was offended? Um, no, not necessarily. I don't think, to be honest, I'm happy to hear from the bin chickens. I speak that language. I speak, yeah. bin, I speak bin chicken. But I mostly heard back from players who, you know, have been moved around, um, you know, hit up on various forms of social media and when they're playing second grade or, um, and sort of said, yeah, this was, this was fairly on the money. I mean, I, look, I'm not pretending to be a prophet. I'm just literally telling you what I see as yeah. a player. I had them. And then as, uh, in, as in an agency and then as now a coach. And I, you know, when you get a phone book from people of potential players, that's not the phone book you want to be on. You know, I, um, I had a couple of messages from agents that I work with who I consider outstanding outstanding agents and outstanding people um, who thought uh, what we did was very good. So that, that's some good feedback. And I had a couple of messages from um, sort of higher high people in Shoot Shield clubs who, um, who thought that we summed it up pretty well too. So, um, you know, community service is probably something we could add to our resume as well. I actually, yeah, I did a resume yesterday and I did tick yes. I do. I do give to the charity. I give charitably. Are you, look, are you looking for work? <laughs> Could we cut this bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's not talk. Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that. Um, anything else, mate? Uh, not really. I, you know, I suppose um, the only other thing really is double vaxxers. Uh, uh, you know, I'm due next week. Um, I'm not trying to make this political. I'm more just saying things are about to open up. You know, pre-seasons are on the horizon. Um, a lot of excited people. Um, I mean, I'm really looking forward to, um, I have no doubt you're looking forward to going to the pub, but, I, you know, all the pubs are booked for whatever that date is and, um, you know, trainings are booked in now as well. So it's sort of an exciting time again. Get it's to- time for life to get back to normal. I will be going to the pub as soon as it opens on the 11th. I'll take off the day doing whatever it is I do. Um, I still don't know how to quite explain that to people. Um, and I'll be going to the pub so if you're available. Um, and, and we can travel. You're welcome to join. Yeah. Um, but I think I think we've done well here. Um, oh, sorry. One more question that I missed. Kyle Shewan oh. wants to know Tommy Tommy Alexander being a potential bolter for spring tour. Let's finish on this. Um, I just don't know how to explain. Kyle, Kyle Shewan's sort of a degenerate from around the Epping Eastwood area. Uh, <laughs> like. Like a, a not homeless. That's the wrong word to use. But uh, vagrant, vagrant. Yeah. And no, Tom Alexander's not a positive for the spring too. I bet he's a great man and uh, very big in the tech sector. So there's no need to worry about him. But he's a vagrant. a vagrant. So we're going to have to start filtering these questions because we don't really just want them from people who've managed to grab social media and try and take stabs at me. I I feel like they're the people that listen to us. <laughs> well, maybe you know what. Let's flip that on its head. 
we that's exclusively who we take questions from. Insider jokes from fucking idiots like Kyle Schoen, <laughs> who are an idiot guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll definitely have to clip that and put it on social media. All right, mate, you have a great day, and um, I'll try and get this up today. Sweet as, bro. Talk to you. Good, good to talk, man.